coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. Wait a minute. I'm a hunter. I'm an outdoorsman. So that taste of redneck, what, is it blackneck for me? What, what, what's that about, Sandy? You know, I don't see color, but I just call it good old redneck. Yeah, I've hunted with you, Odell. You got a lot of redneck in you. But how do we ever find common ground, Bill, Sandy, and Odell, if we don't find the things we enjoy? It has nothing to do with the individual. It has to do with God's creation that we enjoy. We can all do better. That's how I find common ground. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill. You got to have one. A nope. token black person? A token and there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids. And I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, we just come to you saying just thank you for friendship. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for common ground. God, thank you for second chances because we stumble sometime and we fall. Sometimes privately, sometimes publicly, but all times you know and you know our heart. So God, we thank you for a second chance. We thank you for grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray and believe, amen. Dearly Father, we just uh, lift lift up Sandy, who's our guest today, and his family. Uh, Thank you for bringing them into our lives. Uh, Lord, we ask for safety as uh, people travel back and forth in and out of Ukraine. Uh, We ask for safety for those folks that are going through a living hell. Lord. We lift up uh, our families, keep them safe, keep us safe as we travel about. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, Lord, and thank you for the opportunities. And as Brother Odell had said, second chances and actually hundred thousand chances. Lord, just pray that whatever we do today, we glorify your name as we all fall short. Forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm doing pretty good, Bill. I thank you quite often. And the gentleman we had on, the pastor, when you look at what's going on over in Ukraine, and it looked like it's just not going to stop. What's your thoughts, my friend? Oh, man, what a mess. The uh, It sounds like uh, there's a slaughter going on. Um, somehow, someplace, the United States and the uh, NATO group have to step in and uh, give these people protection from from the air. Uh, I heard today five cruise missiles landed in Ukraine and hit oil dumps and things like that. And uh, they're not going to stop. So I had, I heard an interesting commentary that uh, part of uh, Putin's strategy is to drag NATO and United States into this uh, because he can't show that he failed uh, trying to get into Ukraine. Mm. Well, you know, the thing about it is, it's no comparison. But at the same time, 
you never know what someone's agenda is. So we do know prayer and intervention will get involved. We yes. know that. Amen. We definitely know Amen. That. I do got a question. You know, we're all focused on Ukraine and it's horrible. Don't get me wrong. But there have been horrible things that happened in Black Africa that don't get the notice. Why is that? Ah, that's a good question. And I, I don't have the answer. I would say that I don't have the answer, but I will do my due diligence and we're going to have a show just on that. I thought you were going to ask me about Duke and North Carolina. I thought that's what you were going to ask me, Bill. The horrible things that Duke got beat, then North Carolina got beat. But I forgot you are a Ohio, the Ohio State University from Ohio. So it doesn't matter about us. North Carolina, South Carolina people, but the Gamecocks girls won the national championship. Ladies, excuse me. The Gamecocks ladies won the national championship in basketball, Bill. So that little Carolina cap that I wear all the time, I'll be wearing it a lot more, my friend. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You should wear it. You should be proud of the ladies. They did a good job. You know, in Ohio, yeah, Ohio State is the, is the sport. So we don't even recognize basketball as a game. It's uh, all about football. I mean, you get 110,000 people in the stadium and the band comes marching out and the back of your hair jumps up and, and uh, it's, it's exciting time, but yeah, I did watch the game. Um, I wasn't home when I was on a business trip and probably a good thing. My wife was probably screaming at the TV. She's a big Carolina fan. And uh, well, I was in Carolina a couple, maybe about uh, right after they beat Duke. And I had to go down there and see a customer at uh, Chapel Hill. And I went on the campus and holy cow, I hadn't been on the campus in a while. The, the kids were cranked up. They had bands going there, dancing and food, food all over the place and, and painting things. And I was like, boy, this does this, this is different than when I went to school. Well, like my son told me, he's a, a big Duke fan and we had to peel him off the wall when Duke left, lost. He said, daddy, I was asking about Carolina uh, losing. He said, daddy, that doesn't matter to Carolina fans. Their national championship was when they beat us. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely true. <laughs> well, you know, Boy. thinking of a great athlete, our guest today coming out of high school was a fiat and golf and all this kind of good stuff. And now you got Tiger Woods going down there uh, playing in the Masters. So I want to almost let's get our guest Bill in and talk a little bit about. Do you want to introduce the guest? Sure, sure. Uh, I got to know Sandy Brady. I think it was through Caldwell Academy. Uh, Sandy, you'll have to uh, correct me on that. Uh, and uh, we became good friends through Maurice Hall and Greg Johns and Tom Barry and that that whole crew that you hang out with, your posse. And uh, we would bump into Sandy's got a posse. He's Sandy's got a, got a posse. He's got so a posse. he got any black? Does he have any black people in his posse, Bill? I think I he got might a have. In my posse. Okay. <laughs> you have what in your posse? I got a lot of black people in my posse. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I well, got a lot of red people and yellow people too. <laughs> I know. That's why we love you, Sandy. We love you. We love you. And the audience, once they hear your amazing story, they're going to love you. And, and Bill, I just laughing because, you know, I miss Sandy. I miss Sandy. I miss Sandy. Well, you know, I, Sandy came over and did some work in our yard. He had a, he had a, a contracting company that did uh, flagstone. He used to take uh, scraps of marble, correct me if I'm wrong, Sandy, and uh, save them and then cut them and, and then put them on a patio. 
That is correct. In fact, Bill, I still got pictures of you in the Superman outfit out there. That, that's hilarious. But uh, yeah, Earthstone products. I sold that a couple of years ago, sold it to my employees and uh, they're killing it. In fact, that's where I am coming to you from right now is I am at the Earthstone office and that's where I do all of my artwork is uh, at the office that they now run. So they're still doing the, uh, laying the, uh, the marble in that. They are laying the marble and granite It's recycled granite tops, uh, mm-hmm. headed to the landfill. It's, it's their waste from the uh, countertop industry. And they're also making fireplaces and just laying concrete. They're doing some amazing work. Great group of guys. And when I sold it and got out of the way so I could pursue my art career, they took this thing and ran with it, and I am so proud of them. I see them probably three times a week, and we we get together and we talk and we pray together, and they still have questions for me. And uh, I guess I'm a lot happier now because I don't have that responsibility uh, as running a crew like I used to. But great group of guys doing great work. Yeah, running a crew and a company and – making sure everything's right for the customers. Cause I, I know your style. You want to make sure every, the customer's happy. Yes. And that's a lot of pressure on you. I I've noticed you've, you've actually gotten much more comfortable. I, I want to share a story. You know, you took Odell and I rabbit hunting and uh, that was an interesting thing. I think we spent, you know, a number of hours out there and we only got a couple rabbits, but the thing that jumps out at me, one of the guys killed a rabbit with a walking stick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I guess the rabbit jumped toward him and he just hit it with the stick and took him out. Yeah. The, the, here's the crazy thing is right before that happened, we asked the question, have you ever, cause I, he didn't carry a weapon with him. He had the walking stick and said, have you ever killed one with your walking stick? And he said, no, but I've always wanted to. And it wasn't 10 minutes later. I mean, I was actually 20 feet from the guy. I saw it happen. I saw the whole thing. And I was blown away. Uh, <laughs> just had that conversation. The dogs jumped, rabbit took off, went right by and whap. I mean, it was, and then he reached down, grabbed the rabbit, like nothing like he did it every day. He was smooth as wow. cucumber. <laughs> you know what, though, Bill? The amazing story is this. Sandy Brady, the man, the myth, the legend. At 54 <laughs> years old, down 115 pounds, doing great. You know, out of high school, he was this, legendary athlete in golf. Then he went on into what he called the redneck fame and success. So let me say that again, because that doesn't even sound right coming out of a black person's mouth, the redneck fame and success. And then he said he fell up the ladder and then he had a little brush with drug and alcohol. So Sandy, help us understand so that my good listeners don't say, Odell call somebody redneck. Help, help us understand what all this means, Sandy. Help, help the good-looking black guy get out of trouble. <laughs> well, redneck fame, I'm a big outdoorsman. Big, big, big. And, uh, of course, I, I was a very good golfer in high school. I come from a golfing background and family, so it was kind of something that I didn't take it up. I was, quote, bred to play golf. Uh, and it wasn't my passion, but I was naturally good. And so through junior high and high school, I excelled, uh, played really good golf. I had natural talent to do it. But the problem was 
my heart wasn't in it. My mind wasn't in it. I would rather be in the woods hunting. I love being out in nature, um, messing with the animals. And it's not about killing the animals, not by any means at all. It's just about the things that you see. I guess at that time, I really had no relationship with God. But I find myself today, there's nowhere in the world I'd rather be than in the woods to get closer with our creator. Um, so the golf thing, I, I had a lot of opportunities, could have played some college, college level golf. In fact, I, I went to Guilford College after going to RCC and uh, I flunked out. I did a good job of partying, made an A in partying there. And uh, <laughs> I, I left from there and that's where kind of falling up the ladder. Uh, I, was, I was starting to mess around with some drugs and some drinking. At that time in my life, it was something fun something to do, something that so many young people do. And, and, you know, they're doing it today. Somebody listening to this right now is, is doing what I did way back then. The difference is I crossed a line where my life became dependent on it. And when I say dependent, I could not function without drugs or without alcohol. And so when I say I'm grateful for second chances and hundred thousand chances, I truly am. So I, I, I graduated from high school, went to college. That didn't work out. I moved out to South Dakota. It was one of those, quote, geographical cures, which do not work, and ended up getting a job as a hunting guide in the uh, duck and goose industry in pheasants in South Dakota. Met a gentleman by the name of Tom Miranda, who was a state trapper out there, and he had this idea of doing some hunting videos. One thing led to another. I was a hunter. He was a trapper. We did some videos and people liked them because we were just two rednecks putting together our passion for what we do. And we had people start buying these videos and we had video stores contact us. So we probably did 30 national release videos and that led to a TV career. And you know, I could talk for hours about this, but the redneck fame came when we started out with WGN Chicago and then uh, Sports Channel America when it came up and then ESPN and then ESPN2. Long story short, we had redneck fame from doing hunting shows. Tom was was the host. I was the co-host. You know, as I had said in, in the earlier years of the partying aspect, all of a sudden the drugs and the alcohol went from more of a fun thing to where of a everyday thing, if you know what I mean. And, uh, I was doing that on the road and for a long time, my ego and my pride would not allow me to tell people what really happened and why I no longer did that show. I actually owned half of the company uh, and I got fired from that company. And, and that was one of the best things that ever happened in my life. It was a dark time in my life and I got caught doing a bunch of cocaine and drinking and I got fired from a company that I owned half of and that redneck team, uh, that ego and that arrogance caught up with me, if you know what I'm, and, and at that time I didn't get sober, but I, I, as I look back now, God has a plan for everybody. Everything that happens in our life is all God's plan in the darkest, worst times in my life actually are my greatest lessons in life today. 
So uh, I did that for like 11 years of the TV thing. So when you come on Saturday mornings and, and you're dealing with the redneck things, most of us hunters, not all of us, but most of us hunters and outdoorsmen have a taste of redneck in us. That means well, we wait like a minute, it. then. Wait a minute. I'm a hunter. I'm an outdoorsman. So that taste of redneck, what, is it blackneck for me? What, what, what's that about, Sandy? You know, I don't see color, but I just call it a good old redneck. Yeah, I've hunted with you, Odell. You got a lot of redneck in you. And that's, <laughs> that's a good thing. Redneck is good. Um, but uh, that's that's good, by the way, Odell. Yeah, blackneck. Um, I've got a buddy of mine down in Alabama. His name is uh, Stanley Williams. They call him Black Lightning. He makes turkey calls, and he calls me uh, nephew, and I call him uncle. You know, <laughs> I'm the coolest black neck there is. It, you're you one of the coolest black necks there is. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sandy, some, you and the reason I ask the question, Sandy, sometimes people ask me, hey, how do you go out in the woods with a bunch of white guys with guns and you're the only black guy? And I'm like, well, it's not a bunch of white guys. It's my friend Bill. It's my friend Sandy. Is my, you know, and they're like, I don't, I wouldn't do that. But how do we ever find common ground, Bill, Sandy and Odell, if we don't find the things we enjoy, you know, the things we enjoy. So I just want to say thank you all for all the great times I've had, you know, with the two of you all and so many other people. I might say that part of the common ground um, has nothing to do with the individual and has to do with God's creation that we enjoy when we're sitting out there in the morning, watching the sun come up and the world come alive, the birds starting to chirp and everything squirrels starting to run around. And then just the opposite at night, you see the beautiful sunset, you hear the quiet of the forest. Uh, one of the most memorable times for me hunting was I was in a deer, you know, my, my, my hunting, some people have uh, these, these deer stands that you, you sit in and they're not covered and you kind of sit still. Well, I'm hyperactive. I can't do that. So I've, I've taken hunting to new level. I've got um, tree houses. And they'll have doors and windows in a you know shelf. Sometimes I put a Mister Buddy in there, a little heater, and uh, I'll smoke a cigar and have my coffee and and uh, and take a nap usually. So my hunting's at a different level. It's much more sophisticated than sitting in the cold. But you know, it's it's interesting. The most significant time I I remember hunting Sandy and Odell was I was sitting in one of these deer stands. And it started to snow maybe about a half an hour before it became dark and you couldn't hunt anymore. And it came down pretty heavy and you could hear the snow because you, you're you wearing these headphones that kind of magnify things. And then you can hear the deer walking at night. And I just sat there for almost two hours. You, know, you can't hunt after it's dark, but just, and it was, there's enough light from the snow that you could see things. You could see silhouettes. It was the most peaceful time. I ever had. I bet you it snowed about a foot during that time. It was coming down pretty hard. And Sandy, you probably got some memorable times that you sat in a deer stand or a duck blind that you go, wow, this is this is really cool. I do a lot of times. And uh, some of my fondest memories of my father, um, who passed away two years ago, and we spent a lot of time in the outdoors. Uh, our hunting and it's not about the harvesting of animals it's about just the camaraderie and the fellowship uh of being out there and he taught me about you know what animals do and 
you really learn a lot by being out in the woods. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you, if you got something that's going on in your life, you're struggling, I don't think whether, whether you're a hunter or a non-hunter, just take a little time and go out in nature and just close your eyes and, uh, you know, listen. Because God can speak through a bird. God can speak through a tree limb. He can speak through the wind. But there's just something about that for me that soothes my soul. Mm. You know, we had a guy on. You're absolutely right, Sandy. We had, and by the way, I, I hunted with your dad at Maurice Hall's dove hunting. You and your dad went off in your area. We did ours. Uh, we chased all the dove to you. So you guys <laughs> can shoot them. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, we had a fella on uh, Ponce de Laurent. His wife passed away uh, through cancer unexpectedly, and uh, he decided to do the Camino Way. It's a walk. It's about a 485-mile walk in Spain uh, from a spot in Spain to the coast. And you do it You do it by yourself. Sometimes you take a friend, but it's, it's definitely you're in nature for uh, 45 to 50 days doing this walk. You're hitting villages along the way. And uh, we asked him, you know, what, what was it that really – jumped out at him and it was the serenity of being in nature and letting God speak to him. And then I said, we asked him, did your wife ever speak to you? What your, your, your past wife? And she says, Oh yeah. Many times I said, really, what did she say? She said, keep going. Don't stop. Hmm. Wow. So you know, just said that I'm sitting in my studio where I do all my artwork. I met a gentleman 2020 in Nashville, Tennessee, at the National Wild Turkey Federation um, Grand National Calling Contest. And I make the awards for, for the NWTF. I'll never, I only met his wife for just like three minutes. Uh, she suddenly passed away after the convention there. And I was asked to do 20-some uh, pieces, and I'm working on them now for uh, an event called Nancy's Vision. Well, about three weeks ago, I'm in my little studio and I'm working and I felt like I was being watched. Mm. And I just stopped. It was really an eerie feeling. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was, it, and just like I'm talking right now to you guys, she said, tell him it's okay to move on. And I'm like, wow. who just said that? So she said, it's Nancy. Tell Jeffrey. Wow. So I'm, I'm a little bit freaked out by, by this, you know, but uh, I do believe that God will come through us in so many different ways. So I debated on whether or not um, I should tell Jeffrey. And that's the husband. He's in New York, by the way. And I'm sitting here in Greensboro, North Carolina. I chose to send him a text after about 10 minutes. And I said, I, I don't want to bring up something that's going to hurt you, bother you, whatever. Well, it was absolutely 100% perfectly God's timing because he was sitting there struggling worse than he had since any other day, her passing. Mm. And he, she knew that. And she knew that the avenue to get to him was through me with, and so, you know, he called me and we cried and, and laughed and talked. And he said, you might've just saved my life. Wow. Wow. So, you, wow. You just, you wow. just, you never know. And, uh, and we've talked every day since then. Um, and he's, he's doing great. And, uh, he'll, he'll ask me, he said, have you talked to Nancy anymore? 
<laughs> oh, that's you know, great. Yeah. Sandy, you said something once. I was in your shop, so I'm going to have to come back over there because obviously that's the anointed spot. I was, you was telling me a story a long time ago. You were going through a tough time and you were debating some things and a gentleman walked in and talked to you about the 10 commandments. Can you share that with everyone, please? Absolutely. So, uh, I'm a recovering drug and alcohol, uh, alcoholic, drug addict, alcoholic. And, and I mean, I've been through some dark, dark times through my addiction, uh, and by the grace of God today, I, I walk a sober, clean life only by his grace. But I was struggling with my business. And I went when I say struggling, I was down to I owed about four thousand dollars in payroll for the week. I, I, uh, I was struggling. I had no way to get the money that I needed to pay to my guys. We're like family. And I was sitting there at my desk and. I just, I was crying. I put my, my elbows up and, and I said, God, I don't know what to do. And, and I'm struggling. And in walks this guy and he walks in and uh, I'm not in a good mood, by the way. I'm usually a jovial, happy person, but I mean, I'm concerned. I'm scared. Anxiety levels through the roof. I hadn't been in this position uh, in a long time, especially in sobriety. He walks in and, and he introduces himself and, uh, I said, okay. I said, well, what can I do for you, sir? And he said, uh, God hears your prayers. I thought, well, yeah. Okay. Right. You know, uh, God hears my prayer. I said, what does that mean? He said, I need you to do something for me. And I said, okay, what do you need me to do? He said, I need you to do an engraving. And, uh, I said, yeah, okay. Well, at that time, I'm running my landscape business that I'm struggling with. I'm doing the artwork stuff on the side. It's growing, but all my focus is on the landscape. And I said, well, you know, how big do you want it and all that? And, and he said, I, I need as big as you. And I said, well, I don't do big. And I was really just a jackpot to him, to be honest with you. Hmm. And finally, he said, would you please just stop and listen to me? And I thought, who in the heck are you to walk in my office and to tell me to stop and to listen to you? I'm about to go broke. Hmm. And, and he introduced himself and, and he said, I'm Phil such and such. I am a preacher from up in the mountains and God hears your prayers and he has heard your prayers on what you're doing. And I know that you're struggling. What I need you to do is I need you to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And I need you to engrave the Ten Commandments on a stone for me. That's what I need you to do. Can you get, can you pull the, the cotton out of your ears and stuff it in your mouth long enough to listen to me? Wow. Yeah. I mean, this guy wow. put me in place. And, you know, at that time, I'm six foot four and 330 pounds. And, you know, I didn't take too kindly to somebody doing that. <laughs> Uh, that man helped help help change my life that day, um, and and I did. I, I made him a Ten Commandments piece, and I've I've done probably three four hundred since then. And it's not just the Ten Commandments piece, but it's the fact that God hears your prayers. I tell people that every day, and and He may not come and light a bush on fire with lightning but he hears 
And he wants you to walk through that, that fire and that storm, but he's going to walk through it with you. And uh, so that kind of got me started with doing 10 commandment pieces. And those pieces started coming ordered from places all over the country. And I did a lot for churches and it led to just other work. I, I've got a couple of 10 commandment pieces that I'm getting ready to start on at the end of this week when I fulfill an order. I'm a one man, one man army right here. So, uh, you know, people are walking and say, I need 200 of these. And I said, yeah, I'm not your guy for that. I, I, I can do 30 or 40 pieces. Um, but, you know, everything's a one-off. There is no two pieces yeah. that are exactly like. And, and you can say, like, there's a piece right there that I did for yeah. the Turkey Federation. This is something for Nancy's vision. And so, um, you know, Sandy, was yeah, you were preaching, preaching that. Right Sandy, yeah, as you, you got one. That? Yeah. The pocket cross. There you go. I, I need I, one. I keep this with me. I need one. Yeah. Hey, Sandy, you know, as you were preaching that, I was thinking that's the message that the Ukrainian people need to hear. That God hears let's your let's prayers. Tell them. Let's go tell them. This podcast will get there. Okay. This podcast now, will get there. If if there is somebody from you Ukraine, and you know what, I, I won't. I haven't walked in their shoes. Neither have you or Odell. But what I can tell you is that I know that through my faith, and you're talking to a guy I met Jesus Christ through a half gallon of Jack Daniels and a bag of cocaine. That's where I met Jesus Christ. And he came into my life. Um, I had to surrender to win, but I have learned through my walk that number one, I'm going to fall short every single day. I'll never be perfect. I'll never live up to his expectations. But what I can tell you is he loves me no matter what. And whatever it is I go through, he is there with me. And I know that just like he's with you and he's with Odell and he's with those folks in Ukraine right now. And uh, maybe it's a great opportunity for them. I hate what's going on over there, but I look at situations like this. We got to turn to God. Mm, amen. God. We mm. cannot fix this as humans. We can't. No. Said, Bill, did Sandy say he met God through a half a gallon God. of Jack Daniels and a bag of cocaine? Yes, sir. I sure did. I was. Uh, that's, that's not a happy meal. No, that's not. A, that's not a happy meal. That was that was my food of survival. Mm. That's that. That's and I guys, you know. I work with alcoholics and addicts every day and we come from every walk of life. Addiction does not discriminate. Mm -hmm. And for me, actually the way that I met him was I was getting ready to commit suicide. That's what I wanted to do. The pain was so great. As bad as I wanted to stop, I couldn't. And I quit a million times for an hour at a time. And I, I reached out to God and I said, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. And, and uh, it changed my life. I reached out. I got involved with Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. They speak for themselves. But that program helped save my life. I surrendered and I was ready to do something about my problem. And I was willing to go to any lengths to do it. Sandy, were you married you know during that? this time? Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Were you married during this time? 
I was. And let me tell you something. I was the absolute worst husband, the worst father. I was, I was a sorry piece of crap human being. Mm. And that darkness has made me who I am today. Well, you've got a beautiful family and a beautiful wife now, and they certainly love you. And you've come full circle, brother, full circle. Well, I'm still- very, I, I haven't done it. I've just, uh, God said, Hey man, we're not done yet. And, uh, like I said, my man, now I will tell you this. I don't want my mind is like a bad neighborhood. Some days you just don't want to go there. <laughs> it's all <called> Sandy. <laughs> it is. Oh, I'm, hey, I'm human, but uh, when I get up in the morning, I ask for his guidance and direction, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna, we're all going to fall short every single day. My goal in life is to try to be a little better today than what I was yesterday and do what I can to help my fellow man or woman to put a smile on their face. Tell us about The Last Bird. I've seen it, or oh, I saw it to a certain point. Tell the audience about The Last Bird. It, brought, it made me cry. It made me cry. Well, The Last Bird is a film uh, It was done by TA Films, and it's not finished. Like right now, Odell, if I wanted to pull it up, I couldn't even watch it myself. They, they jerked it off because so many people were YouTubing it and doing things. Uh, so it was. it is a story about me and my dad and basically his last turkey and then talking about life. Um, through a scenario of hunting in the outdoors, and and I wish I could watch it right now because you know he 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 looks at the camera and he says that he loves me, mm-hmm. and of course, you now. But at the end of this month, uh, TA Films, just so you'll know, is occupied this weekend because Tyler Adams and his group are at the Masters filming. They're the only private. Um, filming group that cbs will use for the map which is says something for them so they're there at the end of this month first of may they're supposed to be coming to reedsville north carolina to finish this film in the cemetery where my dad is laid to rest uh a little bit of uh talking and we're going to try to film another hunt and the last bird will be released and and that's it's a 100% unscripted thing that they put together. And it's pretty amazing. The story, you do not have to be a a hunter by any means to enjoy what this film is about. You know, we'd love to have them on the podcast when they come in and you guys can talk about it. Oh, that would be good. That would be cool that we can make that happen. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're in 22 countries now in every state of the union. So uh, happy to do that. The, uh, what it's called the last bird called the last bird. Yes. So as it, when it gets published, we'll just let people know and they can go look at it. And, and is it a movie? Is it a, is it going to be on uh, YouTube? What is it? 25 minute short, short story film, uh, is, is what this is. Okay. And do you know where it will be published? I do not. Uh, like I said, I, I don't own anything to do any rights it's all up to ta films but i think what they're going to do is they're going to put it out there strictly as a feel-good story for people to uh to watch wow well we look forward to seeing that another question i have if people want to get in touch with you uh 
to do some of your artwork, get some of your artwork. How can they do that? The best place in the world to get a hold of me is through Facebook on Messenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, is it okay to give my phone number out on the podcast? Sure. sure. Yeah. Or 336 215 1599. I make myself always available. But on Facebook, uh, I'm not big into the Instagram stuff, but Facebook, it's Sandy Brady and uh, it has me down as a certified health coach. It's actually a picture of me and my dad um, mm. that are on there. So, And clearly, if someone is going through the addiction and some of the things that you went through to reach out to you. That's, that's, uh, that's my mission in life, to do what I can to help others. Because you know what? When I was ready, when I surrendered, there were people there that I was able to reach out that helped save my life. So I'm just passing on what's passed to me. So yes, always. Yeah. You, you, you hang with a good group of people. I tell you, Maurice Hall and Greg Johns and Tom Barry and those guys, they love you. I know they, they've tried some interventions when you're in the middle of it. I, I heard some of the stories. And, yes, they, they, uh, and you know, I, I see Maurice here and there. He's traveling a lot these days. And of course, Greg is too, but Tom Barry, I call him Pops. We we were actually in Florida hunting together just a week ago, and we did a youth deal this past weekend. We talked on the phone this morning. Um, just a great, great friend. And, uh, yeah. Give him, I, give him my regards. In my life. Give him my regards. He's a great guy. You guys all went hunting in New Zealand, didn't you, for the yes, Red we, Stag? Yeah, we sure did. And I killed a uh, Red Stag with my sling bow. So I hunt with a slingshot that shoots an arrow. Now I do still hunt with a gun some, but I just love the challenging aspect of uh, shooting a slingshot with an arrow and it's very high powered. And people say, why would you do that? It's just the challenge. I don't do a lot of killing with it, but I do a lot of hunting with it. It's fun. I remember you went rabbit hunting with it and I'm looking at this going, what is that contraption that he's holding in his hand? And uh, I saw you take a shot at something, and uh, I was like, holy cow, that thing is powerful. Yep. I have. I, I did finally kill a rabbit with it. Uh, I have killed white-tailed deer, turkeys, um, feral goats over in New Zealand, red stag in New Zealand. Uh, I have not personally killed a bear with it. My friend Tony Reeves has. Uh, buffalo. So my, ne- my next big game animal that I would like to uh, take with it is a bull moose in Canada. Wow. That's a big animal to take. You better, you better have a couple of arrows. <laughs> now people say, well, how far can you shoot? And I said, that's the wrong question is how close can you get to that animal? <laughs> that's the whole reason that we do this. And how close well, do you have to get? Mm-hmm. I like to get 15 yards or in, and I killed a Turkey in Florida last weekend uh, at six steps. Wow. Wow. So Bill, Sandy Odell, I've had people in my family who's been addicted. Yes. Uh, Bill, I don't know about you. Oh, but yeah. Sandy, what, what happens when a family member, what would you say to a family member who's listened to us and they have a loved one who's addicted to either drugs, alcohol, uh, cocaine, crack, opioids is addiction addiction or in our society sometimes 
being addicted to painkillers or opioids or prescription drugs are better than being predicted uh, addicted to street drugs. But you said the same thing, the same thing. What do you say to someone who have a loved one and you, like you said, don't give up on them. Can you help? Can you help one of our listening audiences, please? Yeah, it's every situation is a little bit different, but when it comes down to it, they're they're all a drug. Even alcohol, it's a drug. And and the addiction part is just think of uh, you just ran six miles through the desert, and it's hot, and you want a big glass of cold water. So those of us that are addicted. When we do the drugs, think of we just ran 100 miles through the, the desert, and the craving for that water is the same craving you get for the drugs. Wow. And how powerful it really is for those that aren't addicted. Uh, in so many cases today, my father, perfect example, he almost loved me to death by enabling me. Hmm. You know, and uh, I sure didn't want that stopped, but... Um, Sometimes you got to help them down to save their life. And the other thing I, I, I tell people right off the get go, I don't hold anything back. There's three ways that it's going to end. Jails, institutions or death if they stay on that path of addiction. Now, planting the seed for sobriety. Nobody gets sober on a winning streak. I can tell you that right now. Nobody wakes up in the morning and they got a a loving wife, girlfriend, family, and full bank account and say, oh, well, I think I might have a problem. I'm going to go to a program. That just doesn't happen. Usually you have to go through the hell that addiction causes, and it's a family disease. So mm. I made my family sick mm. through my disease because I was a liar, a manipulator. Um, it was 100% all about me and you make your family sick when you go through uh, addiction. Every situation, like I said, is different, but there are a zillion different hotlines out there that will help you. There is the program of Al-Anon. There's the program of Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous. There's other self-help programs. But the first thing that I'm going to say is in that situation is, whether you believe or don't believe, you can believe that Sandy believes. So if you don't believe in God, just believe that I do. And just get this, take a little quiet time and get on your knees and say, whatever that guy on that podcast believes in, I'm going to pray to you, you know, because mm -hmm. my God is loving and forgiving and all of that. And he's big enough to handle all of us and just say, whatever it is, I just ask for your guidance and direction that you will show me what I'm supposed to do in this situation. And I will tell you this, it's not going to be easy. It's not, but there is help available out there. So help me with two scenarios. You have Tiger Woods and you have John Daly, two fantastic golfers, but two individuals who are not perfect. What, how would you, if you had an opportunity to talk to any of those gentlemen, what would you say to them? Man, if I had an opportunity to talk to those, uh, number one, Tiger Woods, I have seen a different person in Tiger Woods today. I actually watched a little interview with him. I saw something earlier today where he was walking and a fan and he talked back to that fan. He's a different guy today than he was two years ago. He's, he's, he's humble. 
he realizes that he's just like you and I. Now, here's the thing about it. We're not Tiger Woods, guys. We don't step out of a vehicle and have 100 people look at us and point that we're we're Tiger Woods, you know. Now, I do Well, Bill does. Wait a minute, Sandy. Bill's a, Bill's, Bill's a rock star. Do you guys realize the platform that the, the two people, perfect example, you got Tiger, you got John Daly. Well, John, John, they're both great guys, both fantastic golfers. Both have been through a whole lot, and the media's put them on this pedestal. Can you imagine how many people they could help by just simply being humble and saying, you know what, man, I was wrong. I fall short and try to be a little bit better. And I see that in Tiger. I do. I see him making huge strides daily. I watched him the other day and Hey man, it's his personality. He wants to smoke some cigarettes, drink some beers and hit golf balls and chase women. And Hey, I get that too. Um, that's not going to help anybody that's struggling, but Tiger, he's, he's been through, he's been through hell. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, my darkest, most miserable times in my life, as I look back today, have made me the man that I am today. And I am so grateful. I, I am truly grateful that I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Whoa, I am whoa, wait a minute. Sandy, you say that, and a lot of times people don't want to hear that. I, people say I'm a recovering or something like that. And I've never been in those shoes, but you say I am constantly, presently, I am. Why I'm one, say drink, that? one drink or drug away from the addiction part of it. My behavior, my behavior can go back to the addiction part of it without taking the drink or the drug. Wow. So pe people sit there and say, you know, I'm recovered or whatever. And that's fine. Maybe they are. I'm not recovered. See, I have today. I just have today. And, and my sponsor told me, he said, Sandy, he said, uh, it's pretty simple. If you stay in the middle of this program, there's absolutely no way that you can fall off the edge. But if you flirt on the edge, you're probably going to go back to where you came from and you're not going to live to make it back. So I just live one day at a time. Uh, I don't worry about what happened yesterday. I plan for tomorrow, but I live for today. And all I got to do is make it through today with a drink, without a drink or a drug and try to do the next right thing. And you know what? Coming up in June, on June the 16th, if I can make it to then, and that's projecting, but uh, if I can do that one day at a time, it'll be 15 years for me. I won't take credit for that. That's by God's grace in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I just suit up and show up. Praise God. Praise God for what he did and is doing. Wow. Great testimony. Sandy, we're, we're getting near the end. We always ask our guest, and I'll give you some time to think about it. Uh, how do you find common ground with people that are different than you? You know, if, if people meet me somewhere, a perfect stranger, and I'm very blessed, I get to travel all over. I will walk up to you, and I've never met you before. And I'll make eye contact and I will stick my hand out and I'll look you in the eye and I'll say, has anybody told you they love you today? Mm -hmm. Most people are like, well, no, or yeah, my wife or my husband or whatever. And I'll just look at them and say, well, I just did too. For a long time in my life, I wasn't somebody that would be a good person on this show. But 
you know what? You bleed red just like I do. That's pretty common. Yeah, that's very not, common. Yeah, there's not there's not a human there's not a human being alive. Now I can tell you right now, there's some pretty trashy white people. There's some pretty trashy black people. There's some pretty trashy red people. You know, we can all be trashy. We can all be better people. We can all do better. That's how I find common ground. And if I can help you be a better person, I will. If you can help me be a better person, I'm open ears. You know what, Sandy, that's so powerful. And Bill's going to close it out. But Sandy, two questions. The, would you, what, what am I now? Black neck? The black neck needs to talk to you about. First thing, this. I need to talk to you about this. The traveling pocket cross. And secondly, I need to know how you lost 115 pounds. Because Bill says that I have a little uh, belly. But, you know, we're going to leave that alone. Because you know how that goes. So, Sandy, help us on the no, 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 traveling no, no, no. pocket I'm call- calling you out. I'm calling you out, Odell. <laughs> so, if you could tell me right now, one month, how many... How many pounds would you like to lose in one month, Odell? 25. 25 pounds. Well, I yes. tell you, I don't know if you're recording this or not. If you'll do what I tell you, it will cost you. The only thing you got to do is to lose weight. I lost 31 pounds my first month of doing this program. I'm a certified health coach uh, to a wonderful, if you want to know more, you can, you can message me, but it changed my life just like Jesus Christ. And I was 350 pounds and I mean, it hurt me. I felt like I was going to pop to, to put my shoes on. It was, it was really bad, but, um, that was 17 months ago. It's easier keeping it off than it was to lose it. And I lost that weight. I lost 115 pounds in basically six months. Wow. Yeah. And, and I eat six times a day and, and it's healthy and my blood works amazing. My doctor looked at me and he said, what did you do? And I told him and he said, don't stop. Keep rolling, bro. This is amazing. So, yeah, you and I are going to talk about that, Odell. You have nothing to lose except weight. Got and it. that's what everybody that I coach. And uh, now there's some people, food is an addiction, just like drugs and alcohol, as you well know. Yes. So, and that part, of, it's a program that uh, it's easier for me to talk to an individual. I probably spend five or six hours a day talking to people because I'm passionate about it. But right here, the traveling pocket cross. So that's a big bag. There's probably 400 in that bag right there Yeah, that I made last week. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so I'm getting ready to ship a bunch to Tennessee and Illinois and different places. And we're up to around I believe it's 28,300 and some. I've got it written down. Wow. And, you know, I, I, I send them to people. At one time, I charged for them. I don't charge for them anymore. People will say, well, I want to give you something. I say, just donate to the ministry because I pay for everything out of my pocket. And uh, it's just a little symbol of love and hope, man. We could all use a little bit more love and we could all use a little bit more hope. And I tell them that cross will not save you, but the meaning behind it will. Got it. Got it. Bill, it's on you. Uh, Bill, he's challenged the good looking black guy to give him a call and I'm going to give him a call, Bill. I tell you yes. what, if you go on his Facebook page, you'll see people and the results. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. The you uh, black people on the Facebook page, Bill? No, I yes. didn't see any. 
Yes. And in fact, <laughs> we'll make sure that there's one on there this afternoon, just because you said that. Hicks. There we go. Starting talking about black and white again. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> ahead, but none of them have black necks, right? There you go. Exactly. exactly. We only got one black neck. He's the original black neck. I think I could get a T-shirt made for that or something. The uh, hey, I'm gonna be out in the woods because you know you all were talking about it, and it was one day I was in the woods, and people, those who hunt, understand it. I watched this leaf fall from a tree, and I could hear the leaf hitting this limb, then this limb, this just bouncing until it hit the ground. So you're absolutely right. You're just that in tune with nature. And it's a whole spiritual thing for me. That's why I love being out in the woods. I love it. Until I get buck fever every now and then. Buck fever, ah, oh boy, that's a whole nother deal. Yeah, that's 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 a good addiction, though. That's a good yeah. one. The uh, you know, it, it is we as I reflect on the podcast, there's so many powerful things, Sandy, that you said, but there's been some funny things and some humorous things. And the humorous one was black neck. And uh, Odell and uh, his wife, Bev, and my wife, Dory, are going to London and to Paris on a holiday in September. I'm thinking of getting a T-shirt made. I'm the black neck, and I'll get one made. I'm the friend of the black neck. And we can wear them around here. I don't know about Europe. that, Bill. I don't know if my wife's going to go with that. But, but, but we're going to keep that on the podcast with Sandy. Get one saying the guy, the slim guy to the right was because of Sandy and him together making a decision. That Odell want to live. That yep. T-shirt will work. Okay, and then you will take some pocket crosses with us and take some pictures and send them back to Sandy. Yeah. Hey, listen. Amen. I've been I've been following Sandy with pocket crosses. It's people from all over the world who have those pocket crosses. I mean, it's amazing. They show they travel all over the world and they take that picture and put it on there. So yes, yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. yes. Well, Sandy. Um, we uh, we're about ready to close out here. Is there anything you want to add before I, I, I want to close out and pray and uh, pray for God's uh, intervention in your life? You know, just like I always say, if nobody's told Jay love you today, I just did. You just told a bunch of people that they love them. They're listening. Yep. That's great. Um, okay. Let's close out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for Sandy's testimony today. Thank you for his willingness to come on and be transparent and vulnerable. Thank you for how you're working in his life, providing uh, support and information on both a mental, physical, and spiritual level. Lord, uh, Sandy's uh, uh, one of your your children, as Odell and I are, and we thank you for uh, for your grace, your love, your mercy, even when we constantly screw up. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. If I can do anything for you, let me know. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulating and best read weekly magazine.
You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.